0: In this episode of the Hyper Fast show, we have got a special guest. He is a serial entrepreneur, has started over 20 companies. That's two zero companies. This guest has started. he's written several books. Welcome to the show, Sean Castrina. Mm-hmm. All right, welcome to the show today, Sean. How are you doing?
1: I'm great. Excited to be on the show.
0: Yeah, we're we're excited to have you, and you've got a great story of you know overcoming adversity and becoming a serial entrepreneur, mega successful business guy, and you've got a lot that you can teach our audience. So I'm excited about that. Before we jump into that, why don't you just give folks out there a little bit uh, of your bio and background and 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 what you're up to these days.
1: Yeah, no, I mean I tried the typical route in my generation over 40. You tried to, you know, you went to college. That was the way to do it. You know, your parents didn't go to college, so you heard for 20 years why that held them back. So, went to college on an athletic scholarship, um, graduated, got married, bought a house, had a child, did the little um Norman Rockwell thing. Uh was working on a master's degree, one one class away from my master's and then I got let go of my dream job kind of overnight. And, uh, I realized that, you know, employment, it works for some people. My daughter's a school teacher. My wife is a part-time nurse It works for some people, but it wasn't going to be my road. I wasn't going to have somebody that had that much control, you know, being able to be let go overnight. I mean, I didn't even know that was possible. And I remember negotiating my severance pay and it was just like, I literally couldn't believe this was like going on, (laughs) you know? And so that, made me realize then that, you know, employment rarely has security and that, you know, in my early twenties that I was going to take some control of this thing.
0: Yeah. And so, so I guess that was the catalyst for you uh, to, to go on and become an entrepreneur. And now you've started what, like 20 or
1: Yeah. I mean, we started more than 20 companies and um, over the years, uh, you know, I've had a, a wide ranging, I had a direct mail company that was in 23 cities. So that was like nine companies spread out over around the East coast. And that did really well. Sold that in 2008. First business I started, you know, wasn't very sexy. It was actually an auto detailing company while I was When I got let go, I started selling insurance and started an auto detailing company. It's still around. They actually, I sold that 20 years ago. They actually cleaned my cars about about a week and a half ago. And I made $35,000 a year of passive income doing really nothing but branding the company, creating the, you know, attracting customers, creating the system. And that that gave me the blueprint. That was kind of the test tube. Uh, You know, I knew once I did that, that, you know, I guess I, I knew that I could make money in service companies probably more so than any other thing. And that's why it's so important for people just to start something, even if it's at a very small scale, because a detailing company, there's nothing sexy about that idea. You know, it's not like you go and you go, I own an auto detailing company, even though it was a great auto detailing company and it had all the, and this is the thing I like to share, it had all the frameworks of what you do with a great company. Even back then in my early twenties, the name of the company was Waxmaster Mobile Detailing. It said exactly what we did had an incredible logo like a sponge squeezed in half holding like a wax you know wax machine in his hands the tagline was america's choice in mobile detailing extremely bold i always you know go big go bold phone number was 888-933-3824 which is toll free we detail so you know it had all the the touch points even then so i kind of once i started i'm like this is easy for me like branding creating, you know, attracting customers. I can do that. I don't ever want to do any of the work and I've never cleaned a car since then, or I didn't ever cleaned any then. Um, but it's just kind of the idea behind it. I think people think they need to, you know, have this ridiculously great idea, you know, like shark tank. And that's just not necessarily the case.
0: Yeah. I, I, I do think there's something to that. Like people think they need to come up with the next Facebook or, you know, Instagram or Google or whatever. And, Really, there's a lot of profit in the basic stuff and and the stuff that's dirty, maybe not sexy. I think you know in our show we we have a lot of real estate agents that that watch and, and maybe they see million dollar listing, right and they, they, they're thinking at that level, but there's a lot to be said. just door knocking, calling expires, right? Kind of kind of the nitty gritty dirty basic stuff, um, you can make a really good, you know, multiple six figure living doing and have high chances of success. So it's not always
1: It's rarely the sex. Yeah, I I interviewed somebody on my podcast, and she cleans up dead bodies. It's a (laughs) a a decomp company. And she goes to basically, you know, crime scenes and or where people have passed away accidents stuff. I mean, really, she was um, a police officer. And she realized that, you know, it wasn't a lot of people wanted to clean these sites up. Well, now she has like 35 franchises. And, you know, I I never thought of something like that. She's like, you know, people die. And the family don't know what to do with, you know, all the, you know, what's left there. I mean, that's like the furthest thing that would ever cross my mind. But within her business, she saw the need. And it's just like in real estate. I'm not a realtor, but I could think of five businesses in the next five minutes that would be profitable. Right. I was a realtor just because you have a target audience. If you have a target audience, you have a business. So, you know, once you have a, an audience that comes to you and they, they look for your services, you got to find the little ancillary pieces that's missing that you can offer in addition to what you do.
0: Well, that's, that's definitely another thing that we, we hype on here at Hyperfast is, is to come up with a, 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 a target audience. We, we actually talk about this process, segmentation, targeting, positioning, and, and, um, you know, some people try to go out and be everything to everybody, and that that rarely works. It just takes too much energy, too much effort. Your, your, um, your, your efforts are just scattered too much, right? But if you can really narrow in, focus in on a on a, on a niche market uh, of just you know, it doesn't take many. It can be as little as a couple hundred or you know, a thousand or or, or so, and um, that you know, that's all it takes to get started. But people, a lot of times, people just never narrow that focus and define who they're audiences and how they're going to position themselves to those.
1: To yeah, they're way too, you know, I live in Charlottesville, Virginia, which is wine country, horse country, but you know, like I can, I have radio cursor where I hear people that just promote, they sell nothing but big farms and, and places where you could ride horses and, you know, they're 10 acre and above lots. And, and there's only certain people that do that in our area. Well, they're massive sales. It's a limited inventory, but the commission on those is is great.
0: Yeah. What was the, what was the transition? like for you and you went from, you know, someone else paying you to you got, you got to go out and hunt and get the business for yourself. Cause I feel like a lot that's, that's, you know, real estate agents are are like entrepreneurs and that they've got to go out and get the business uh, for themselves. Usually.
1: Yeah. I mean, the basics in business are the same. It's fundamentals. It's like the fundamentals and everything has fundamentals. You have to go find clients and you have to find ones that are most likely to buy from you. So, I mean, that there's just no getting around the heavy lifting. I get DMs every day. How do I get customers? Same way we all get customers. <laughs> go find them, you know, and then attract them. You know, we initially we have to go get them, you know, typically. And then, then they start coming to us. That's the hard, you know, reputation pays off. You have a brand and you have a reputation. That's great. And they start chasing after you. But initially you have to go find them and you just got to go find where they're either got to do volume just the law of volume says if I call on a hundred people and you call on ten, even if your ten are really good, I, I might be able to make up for it with my volume. So you either got to call on tons of people or you got to have a really strategic introductory type of uh, lead, you know. But it, it, you know, they're the basics. I don't think there's getting or I don't think there's getting around it.
0: Yeah, I I've seen time and you know time again like real estate agents that that come in and just. Hit the phones for two hours a day, you know they may not have success day one or week one or month one, but if, if you do that for a few months, it, it just at that point becomes law of averages, repetition, and and you know you'll you'll succeed. Most people though just won't stick with it for some reason. I don't I don't know why.
1: Well, I know because we don't like things that make us uncomfortable. We don't. The fact is this is that you know why most people aren't successful and why most people live paycheck to paycheck because they're not willing to do. The uncomfortable. I mean, we hit, we try to tiptoe around it and give all this other stuff, but I'm willing to, I know why I got money. Cause I know what I did in my twenties and thirties. Most people weren't willing to do period, period. I have, I could I can see, I, I can see every base I touched and I know nine out of 10 people were not willing to to work as hard as I was, or to take a little bit of a risk and to do three jobs at one time. Like I've never quit a job to start a business. There's like one of my super secrets. There's 168 hours in a week. Like I, I, you don't quit one to do another, you stay with one that's paying you or brings you your, your repetitive business or whatever the case may be and then you build something on the side. I, I just, this idea, you know, people always are, well, I, I'm gonna quit my business, I, I'm gonna quit my job. And, have you earned the right to quit it? I mean, have you done a business that's replacing 75% of your income? I mean, what, what's this idea that you just kind of quit your job and do, to me, I don't even like the word quit, so. Yeah, I,
0: I, th- I think there is a lot of value in maintaining you know, your existing income. Like when I, when I started in real estate, I, I didn't quit my job till uh, I had a huge pipeline. Like I was, I, was yeah. gonna make, I was gonna make more in the next 90 days than I was in the next year at my job. And I said, All right, I, I think it's I think I'm good to go. But you know, I was doing nine to five at, at work and then, you know, I would during lunch I would answer emails, follow up with prospects, and then the evenings I, I'd go show at home. So they were they were long days, but you know, it doesn't last forever. I think I did that for about, you know, four or five months. Um, you know, not not too hard to be spent. and, and it people, and it go into deployments for a year, yeah. you know, women are pregnant for nine months. Like you, you can, you know, people can handle, uh, working more hours, uh, for short periods of time, if that's what it takes to start your business and build up your sales pipeline.
1: Well, the one thing I've learned in salespeople, there's nothing, you know, the idea of being like a desperate salesperson, that sounds great in theory, but I, I have always found a customer can smell desperation. They can smell broke. They can smell desperate. I've always thought it was better to kind of have a job where you weren't, you didn't come across so pathetically broke, you know, to me, you know, again, I understand all the cliches, a hungry dog runs faster and all that good stuff. But I'm just saying, you know, if you're an adult, you know, forget everybody 25 and younger living on their buddy's couch or living with their parents. But the rest of us, you know, in my case, I was married, I had a child and I had a mortgage. Okay, business ideas are great and I thought they would work and I'm pretty confident myself, but I also know I need to pay the bills. I know that there's going to be a mortgage payment due 30 days from now. There's no getting around that. So, you know, sometimes you just have to stick with your job.
0: What what do you think's been the the key in how you've been able to to start so many businesses? I mean, over 20 is just a- a a lot like how are you just like doing one a year basically or yeah as a general
1: rule that's kind of my goal is one a year i always figure like if you can't come up with an additional stream of income in 365 days and and when i create a division off of one of my companies i run it as a separate entity it has its own bank account its own line item it has to fend for itself so if it Basically, that way, it doesn't ever kill the golden goose. And that's what a lot of entrepreneurs do. They get one thing that works and then they kill that thing with all these little startup ventures that don't work. So I don't ever allow that to happen. So I'm entrepreneurial. I'm always looking for something new, but I try to stay within my strike zone I like service companies, that's where I stay. That I know that works. I, I like the margins. It doesn't require a lot of good a lot of startup. Everything about it, I, I like. So, but my you know, the one thing I think I do differently is I partner in business. I have seven business partners. So I ideas are great, but I always say one plus one equals done in my world. You pair me with my skill set and you put me with the opposite of me, and we we're gonna have a successful company. I'm good at branding finding the right idea, testing it, making sure it's viable, getting it on the field, recruiting the team. I'm good at that first 18 months, creating the systems. After about 18 months, I'm bored. I want to rinse and repeat. So what I do is I partner with people that love consistency and steady and they, they, you know, they don't like risk. They're like, Sean, you do what you do. Like I could never imagine getting this thing off the ground. Like To them, that's the hardest thing in the world. To me, it's I can see all the blocks, you know, it's, it's easy for me. So I partner with people that are an expert in the business that I'm looking to start. You know, they have tremendous experience, 20 years as an employee, let's say, and they would like to now have a seat at the table, maybe the opportunity to make more money. So they're the perfect mesh with my ambition, enthusiasm, and I have the money to bankroll it. So, you know, so that's kind of what has been my formula throughout the years. I always partner. Went, so you're, you're, like, you're going to get the
0: uh, rocket ship off the ground, so to say. And, and then you want your other guys coming in, uh, tweaking the They're
1: the going to run it. The they're going to gonna circle it around the moon a few times. And what I always say to them when we get started, I said, five years from now, you're going to look at what I make, which is half, and it's going to bother you. But I want you to remember this day. And I want you to know that, that this company would not exist If it wasn't for me, just remember, I put the startup capital. Remember, it was my idea. I'm the one who got everything off the ground. And I, because I know that there's going to be that day where they're like, gosh, man, I'm splitting 50, 50 with them. And they think they're doing so much. And I'm like, hey, listen, you know, zero times zero is always zero. If I didn't get this off the ground, you wouldn't be managing anything right now. So where you're excelling and you're doing so good, I knew you would be good at that. That's why I partnered with you. So, you know, and, and I've not actually had any problems with partnerships because I do that early on. I let them know there's gonna be the day where you're like, man, I can't believe I split a check with him. Hmm. And sometimes I have to do the quiet little reminder. Hey, hold that
0: thought for a minute. Do you have a client that needs to buy or sell a home in the DMV area? Then why not trust the highest selling team in the DMV, the Carrie Scholl team? We've helped thousands of buyers and sellers and would love to help your clients. And we guarantee we will save them time, money, and stress throughout the process. And they will be so grateful that you referred them to us. Go to kerryshull.com to learn more. Again, that's kerryshull.com to learn more about sending us your clients that need to buy or sell a home in the DMV area. That's kerryshull.com. What's been your
1: most successful or
0: or funnest uh, company? To, to have built so far.
1: Yeah, I, I don't know if successful and fun went together. Yeah, and or maybe it's two different yeah, ones. <laughs> yeah, well, let me share this because this is different than what I think most people have heard. I think passion is an entrepreneur's mistress. I think it is the most misleading uh, road in entrepreneurship. Example, I'm passionate about golf. It doesn't mean I go by a driving range. <laughs> okay, I mean, that just to make, you know, I, I, I love I love beach vacations. I wouldn't own beach real estate. Has super high insurance. You know, there's a lot of things I don't like about it. It's very high. I, I like that, but I don't like it as a business. There's a lot of things I like and I'm passionate about, but it doesn't mean it's necessarily a good business. So I don't look for sexy companies. Like I talked about my detailing company and the magazine kind of looked a little more sexier than them. But the money, the companies that I've made the most money in, I started a handyman company 21 years ago. I've made like $60 million in that one. I a matter of fact, I just showed my son my tax return last week because this will probably air later, but th- right now it's October 12th in my world and everything's due by October 15th. And I showed him a tax return where I made more money than a sitting president of the United States, which makes 400000 on a handyman company. I made $413,000 in my pocket for a handyman company. So that's just one of my companies that just kind of show you my models. I look for great need. I want a marketplace that needs something. I don't care how sexy it is. I don't care if it's installing toilets. I don't care if it's cleaning toilets, to be frank with you. If there's there's an attractive margin between what I have to pay somebody to do the job and what a customer is willing to pay me, and a lot of times there's not, that's why I wouldn't have a cleaning company if there's not enough margin. But my point is, if there's a if there's an attractive margin, I love it. I own a digital marketing company. It's the best, biggest digital marketing company in Virginia. That's sexier. But it doesn't make anywhere close to what my handyman company makes. It it looks sexy in 2020, but my the handyman company is like a human. You know, it, it's like being Pablo Escobar for crying out loud. I mean, the phone rings off the hook. Customers pay us between ninety-five and one hundred and twenty dollars an hour, all day long, every day. I got tons of vans. Typical employee makes twenty-five dollars an hour. You're, you, did you catch the margin on that? I'm making between seventy and a hundred dollars an hour margin. So the average person makes me between six and eight hundred dollars clean every single day. I don't care what business uh, that's a margin that you can take, you know, that you can be happy with. So it's not having a sexy company. It's having a, a company where the marketplace says, I want you, I need you and I'm willing to pay you a, to do it.
0: And I know you've, you've got a, a, a book out to help people um, with how to evaluate and, and, and rules to follow right. For, for startup businesses. Uh, you want to,
1: yeah. I mean, Tell the I was a little bit about that. Yeah. And you get it for free. That's the most important thing. <laughs> Every, everything that I talk about is free. So if you go to seancastrina.com, my personal site, we always have a book on there for free. And right now we have our, the book, my first book called the eight unbreakable rules for business startup success. And it's just, I kind of, after 15 years, I was on a beach vacation with my buddies from college. And I just kind of started writing down like little rules that I did that made sense. Like why my businesses were succeeding here were one in two fail, nine out of 10 fail in 10 years. I've had three businesses that have seen the 20th anniversary. So I I knew that I was doing things a little differently. And that's why I kind of wrote this book and came up with ideas that I thought that if you followed them you had a better likelihood of success and in, in entrepreneurship. There's no guarantee, but it definitely gets you a little bit you know, better odds.
0: And that was uh, just, so everyone can hear it again. Seancastrina.com. If you, exactly. if you go there,
1: they can get a free copy. Free book, Eight Unbreakable Rules for Business Startup Success. And it shares, you know, eight principles that I have found that if you apply them, you're far more likely to have a successful startup.
0: Awesome. Well, before we sign off, we always do a hyper fast round with our guests. If you're ready for some rapid fire questions. All right. What's your biggest piece of advice to a brand new real estate agent?
1: I think you just have to outwork everybody. And I know it's not sexy, but there's no substitute. Every piece of success that I have found in life is like a roller coaster. You always got to do that first climb. And the higher you climb, the best roller coasters have the biggest first climb. Let's go to Cedar Point in Ohio and things like that, because the bigger the climb, it it propels you through all the loops and all the fun stuff. So, you know, man, I I just simply think it's a law of volume. I will work more hours, get in front of more qualified people than anybody that I know. And that there's just that, that just works. There's just no there's no getting around that. And with
0: as many businesses as you have started now, how do you stay motivated to keep increasing a business after you've gotten it through that, that launch phase and it's kind of to, to the operator, right? How do you keep motivated to do that and to go out and, and keep doing a new one every year?
1: Yeah, and I think, there, I think there's a difference. I think that we assume that every business owner is an, o- is an entrepreneur and I don't believe that. Like my, you know, I know people that own like, you know, that clean that fix my cars. He has an auto, you know, auto repair shop. He's got one of them. He's happy as a pig in mud, probably making a hundred grand a year. I got a friend who owns a plumbing business. He's got one, he's happy. That's a business owner. I'm an entrepreneur. I I love the startup. I love the energy of putting the team on the field. I have many, many ideas. So I think that we're wired differently. I'm definitely an entrepreneur in that. I never run out of ideas. I'm always looking for improvement. I'm always looking for expansion. That's what excites me. That's my passion. So I'm I'm passionate about business in general, where some people are passionate about maybe what they're doing, you know, what their business does. That's not necessarily my thing.
0: What's been your biggest challenge and how did you overcome it?
1: Biggest challenge. um, Biggest challenge. Wow. I've had a few, you know, in in my twenties, you know, I kind of, my life kind of blew up a little bit, went through a bankruptcy. And, you know, that looks like at the time, it looks like you'll never overcome that. And now I look, you know, 20 some years later and I, you know, I could, I wouldn't miss a meal, give or take the next hundred years. What I tell people is that, you know, life is way harder than you think it's going to be. It just is. And if you, you just got to know that it is. And so you're going to get hit with something you never saw coming, but you're, you, you are, you need to be shocked how much resilience you have if you draw on it. I think that's the thing that, you know, you gotta, something's gonna just absolutely pummel you if you try to achieve anything of significance. And when it happens, you just gotta get back up. And it's, it, it, you know, a lot of these are very boring things that I'm sharing with you, but they work. You know, as a guy who's 53, I'm just telling you, I've had things that I never imagined would happen. And on the other side of that, I've achieved things I never thought would. I never thought I would write a book. I don't even like signing birthday cards. <laughs> I own a handyman company makes 60 to 80, you know, over $60 million. I can't put together a three piece birdhouse. I own a digital marketing company. I don't even know how to go online. I got to get my son to do it half the time because I, I do something wrong. I sign in with the wrong thing. My, my point is, is that you, you can achieve just crazy stuff and yeah, you're going to get knocked down a few times.
0: When you're not working on your businesses or coming up with new ones, uh, where would we find you? What would you be doing?
1: I am the boringest person ever. I like to, I love to read. I love a nap. I think a nap is an older person's (laughs) indulgence. This idea that you work a hundred hours a week. Well, listen, at some point that stops because I'll still take a good nap. (laughs) So, and then I love sports, man. I love working out. I love, I, you know, I love playing golf, love playing tennis, love moving. I, you know, I, I think that, that, that the more energy you, you put out. You tend to have more energy when you do other things. So if you're set at, you know, if you're a person who doesn't move around a lot, typically that starts to affect you, and that you just come across like a walrus. All right, <laughs> yeah, you just kind of slow. I, uh,
0: I agree with that. I feel like the more the more physical energy you have, the more energy you have to put in
1: your. When business. I interview people, I can tell from the time they walk from my reception area to my conference room if I'm going to hire them. I call it the walrus syndrome. If they drag when they walk. It, you know, Warren Buffett says the same thing. He hires people with energy, intelligence, and integrity. And you can't make up for it. Energy is just the, the, the X factor certain people have. I You know, I have it, and I do like it in other people.
0: Awesome. Last question. Where do you see yourself five years
1: Ah, uh, five years. I, you know, I, I'm fine doing with what I'm doing. Cause I, I, you know, I have my podcast, a 10 minute entrepreneur podcast, which really allows me to do what I love. I love to teach business. Cause I see, you know, I speak at colleges and I see it taught by people that have no business teaching it. You know, they're like 20 years ago, they did something and they're reading like the lean startup or something. They're reading like the e-myth. But when I'm in their office, they're like, Oh, it's so great to have somebody who's actually started a business. Who's going to teach my class today. I'm like, well, you have no problem taking a paycheck for doing it. So my, I love my podcast is just the genesis of all my ideas. Like every time I get an idea, I can put it in 10 minutes into a teaching lesson. So, you know, I love, I love, you know, hosting the podcast, teaching startup entrepreneurs, equipping, encouraging them and, you know, that's, and writing books. So I and making money. You know what I found money's not everything, but it's in the top five.
0: Yeah, well, and it, 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 it allows you to do a lot of other stuff. I mean, it's
1: amazing yeah. how many other things you can do, man. I'm able to feed, educate, you know, provide medical attention to people around the world that I will never meet, countries I will never step foot in. Um, money allows you to have an exponential impact. When you're broke, you can only give your time, and it's a one-for-one-hour ratio.
0: Well, I, uh, I enjoyed... Uh, Enjoyed our time today, Sean. I know our, our listeners uh, will get a ton of value out of this. You brought a lot of lessons. And uh, just a reminder, everyone, you can go to seancastrina.com, get his book, get Sean's book for free. Uh, if people want to get in touch with you or connect with you more, I know you mentioned the podcast, but what are, what are the best ways for them yeah. to do that?
1: you know, you can go through Instagram, I'm verified on Instagram and Facebook, though I've never been to Facebook in like the last decade. That's what makes it funny that I'm verified on and I find that to be so hysterical. But Instagram, I actually do look at, um, you know, but I, I really believe going through my podcast will give you the most free information. I, I'm just I pack tons of stuff in there. And I'm always interviewing like founders of companies. So it's like getting an MBA. If you don't have time to go back
0: awesome well thanks for being on this show today sean and for our listeners and viewers out there thanks for tuning in we'll see you next time all right thank you for tuning in to this episode of the hyper fat show subscribe to us if you want to make sure you get the latest and greatest hyper fat shows. and remember we love reviews reviews help us bring better and better guests and improve our shows and give us the good the bad and the ugly we hope you enjoyed the show and we will see you next time